Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you today. Thank you so much for making this podcast a part of your day today. If you're not already subscribed and following the podcast, please do so so you can get the episodes each and every time they come out. Also, make sure you head over to thelongerhaul.com. That's where the show notes will be today, as well as any of the old podcast episodes and some blog posts. You can also find there how to get on the email list, which I would encourage you to do as there's emails go out with some extra content that's not necessarily related to the podcast, but hopefully really practical and helpful for you there. Also head over to the show notes page to find the link in order to join the Super Secret Podcast group over on the Facebook. Several hundred folks in there on that as well. Just a great engaged group. Super fun to head in and be a part of that group. Today, I'm excited for us to jump in to the topic of changes in youth ministry, old friends. They're both old and old friends of a long time now at this point, Zach and Chad from Youth Ministry Booster and Lifeway Students. On the podcast again today, they uh, they go way back with me, back when both of us were really starting the podcast, theirs and mine. And so just appreciate so much them, their heart for students and student ministry the family, the heart for the family that they have, uh, just an incredible work they're doing. They talk to youth pastors all across the country in various contexts and settings. So they are for sure on the front end of all that's coming. And so when we step in and talk about changes in youth ministry, there are really a few people I could think of that would know kind of the right things to bring to you as a listener that would be helpful and practical for you. So I'm excited for them to join us again today. Always a fun time to, to chat with them. There's no question youth ministry is changing, has changed, not necessarily just because of the pandemic, just because the culture changes. And because we minister to teenagers in an ever-changing culture, it's important for us to also be mindful of what changes we might need to be making as we go, and particularly changes that won't get you fired. That's the hope and the goal. So anyway, great conversation with these guys today. Excited for you to listen in as we jump in today to this topic of changes in youth ministry. With all that said and all that out of the way, we'll jump in here today with Zach and Chad from Lifeway Students and Youth Ministry Booster. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show today. Thanks for tuning in and listening wherever you are and wherever this finds you today. Thank you so much for making this podcast a part of your day today. If you're not already subscribed and following the podcast, please do so so you can get the episodes each and every time they come out. Also, make sure you head over to thelongerhall.com. That's where the show notes will be today, as well as any of the old podcast episodes and some blog posts. You can also find there how to get on the email list, which I would encourage you to do as those emails go out with some extra content that's not necessarily related to the podcast, but hopefully really practical and helpful for you there. Also head over to the show notes page to find the link in order to join the Super Secret Podcast group over on the Facebook. Several hundred folks in there on that as well. Just a great engaged group. Super fun to head in and be a part of that group. Today, I'm excited for us to jump in to the topic of changes in youth ministry. Old friends. They're both old and old friends of a long time now at this point. Zach and Chad from Youth Ministry Booster and Lifeway Students on the podcast again today. They, uh, they go way back with me, back when both of us were really starting the podcast theirs and mine. And so just appreciate so much them, their heart for students and student ministry, the family, the heart for the family that they have, uh, just an incredible work they're doing. They talk to youth pastors all across the country 
in various contacts and settings. So they are for sure on the front end of all that's coming. And so when we step in and talk about changes in youth ministry, there are really a few people I could think of that would know kind of the right things to bring to you as a listener that would be helpful and practical for you. So I'm excited for them to join us again today. Always a fun time to, to chat with them. There's no question youth ministry is changing, has changed, not necessarily just because of the pandemic, just because the culture changes. And because we minister to teenagers in an ever-changing culture, it's important for us to also be mindful of what changes we might need to be making as we go, and particularly changes that won't get you fired. That's the hope and the goal. So anyway, great conversation with these guys today. Excited for you to listen in as we jump in today to this topic of changes in youth ministry. With all that said and all that out of the way, we'll jump in here today with Zach and Chad from Lifeway Students and Youth Ministry Booster. Not not yes, that it's been a long time, but yes, that we're back. Oh, man. My heart has grown fond, Jody. It's been long right? enough now that my heart is strangely warmed and grows fond. Yep, yep. I think we're it's, all in like different places in life since yeah, the last time yeah. we all convened, all three of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And and we, but the the funny thing is, like the three of us. I mean, we text each other pretty regularly. We've seen yeah. each other several times at different yeah. things. We keep so up with it's each just, other. Not official, the podcast official. Not podcast official, and not for not for the thirteen listeners that listen to the podcast. But well, but I think it's podcast OG though. I, I, I don't. I want to. I want to introduce Jody Livingston to the world because oh, you you're listen. the one man that we called mm-hmm. back. Oh, dude, I think by the time this one comes out, it will be eight years. Eight years. That feels ago like a long time. Because it you is were a long one time. One of the first. <laughs> it is eight it years is a, is a substantial amount of time. Our podcast has been as true as my firstborn son. And so every time he walks around and gets like tall and lanky and has an attitude, I just assume that's where we're at too. And so, uh, but you were the one we called, man. Like that was back then. You were the guy doing it that we felt like was approachable enough that we could call and uh, still call you. In other words, I'm the only one that, that replied. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. Yes. okay. I sent three no. emails and you replied back. Yes. Thank you very much. Well, <laughs> it was great. Back, yeah. back then, there weren't very many youth ministry podcasts. No, that's there true. Were maybe three then. And I think you're one of the only ones who's still doing it now. So, yeah. Most of them have quit or changed. Like, I think the Simple Youth, ministry, simple yeah. youth ministry podcast became Download Youth Ministry. Yeah. Is there a little for bit the of most part. transfer there? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I looked yeah. it up really fast. Uh, top song. Eight years ago, so okay. amazing. Uptown Funk. Oh, <laughs> still, still slaps. That's, that's that's still in my playlist. Still that's slaps. Still in my... There's there's still there's there's churches that are still covering it today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will. Theme of the Uptown Time Machine travel t- travel Back to the Future Christian drama, but it's fantastic. So how can you not? It's the new Carmen. It is right? so good. So for, a Doc Brown people listening are like. Who the heck is Carmen? You know, don't Google it. It's okay. Here's what's fun. I'll go back and link in the show notes previous episodes so folks can find this. So that'll be great. Maybe, actually, maybe I'll listen to it first and then decide if I'm going to link to it. (laughs) Like, why why should we trust these people? Yeah. And lots happened in the eight years for sure. You guys have like grown a ton in terms of your, your ministry and what you're doing. Shifted a little, although not. Not entirely. So how about for just folks listening who either remember you because they are still in youth ministry eight years later. Bless and you, still brother, listening to sister. This Bless you. Podcast. <laughs> they should be hosting this show. 
Yep. Or uh, just folks who don't know you, maybe just take a second and introduce yourselves. Yeah. Or youth pastors that were entering middle school the last time we were. Stop oh, it. No. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Interns. Stop it. They were actually students in student Cor- ministry. They were middle school pastor students. listened to us eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, it. it's the longer haul for a reason. You know, yeah, it's, it's the longer. We all look a little. Uh, I mean, there there are some smile lines here and some gray in y'all's beards that would say we are on the longer part of the hall. <laughs> That's true. I'm on the back. I'm on the back end. Mm, no, nah, man, you're about to peak. You're about to peak. Yeah, I'm in my prime, baby. That's it, man. Uh, so I'm Zach, and uh, this is my podcast partner, Chad. Uh, we started the After Nine podcast that became the Tribute Podcast in 2015 and have continued to podcast in a weekly or bi-weekly manner. That's the thing, Jody. We bounce back around and forth. Uh, yeah. But over eight years and 260 episodes into interviewing each other and friends in ministry and learning a whole lot along the way, we now serve on the Lifeway team. I serve in the student ministry specialist role, which means I'm a student of student ministry, and I get to pastor youth pastors across the country. And it's been a joy because that was kind of the heart and the ethos of the podcast when it started was Chad and I were searching for the ways in which youth ministry could be a more supportive organization, conversation institutionally. There's a lot of folks doing great relational work in their local ministry, um, but our heart and our burden was to care for the local youth pastor, youth minister, youth leader, and the places in which they served. So, Yeah, and so I now serve as the parent ministry specialist at Lifeway, and so if Zach has that cool line of being the what is it? The student of student ministers. Student of student ministry and a pastor to youth pastors. Oh, uh, well, I'm definitely not the parent of parent ministry. <laughs> so the grandparents. Oh my gosh. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am awesome. One, but if you stay in this long enough, one day you will be. That is, that I will is say, grandparents do love you. Grandparents do love you. They oh, really- I, I poll well with the older demographic for sure. <laughs> What's not yeah. to love? What's yeah, not you the show love? up, tell a sweet story and a Dillard's button down and they're in, man. They're oh, in. dude, I will. I will swoon an old lady for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is a what is a parent specialist do? Um, yeah. So I, I oversee our area of of parent resources. One of the um, kind of one of the internal initiatives for Lifeway a few years back was to create more resources specifically geared towards student ministry when it comes to, uh, to parent resources, um, there seems to be more resources dedicated towards parents of elementary or even old, older elementary, uh, but fewer and fewer at specifically directed towards parents of teenagers. Um, and, and so for us and at Lifeway, we want to partner with the local church. And so the things that we're trying to create is hopefully helping the local church resource their parents. And so uh, by, by no means do we want to say, here's how we believe that you need to parent your child. But we want to talk about discipleship that happens in the home and how do we as the church continue to help parents become disciplers of their kids. I think one of the things that we hear a lot um, and that we've heard a lot over the last eight years is that parents are the primary discipler of their kid. And I would agree that that is very true. Um, We often say that, but I think that there's a very different language that's happening inside of the churches. I think you have a lot of pastors that are saying, you're the primary discipler of your kid. Research would actually show us now that the majority of Christian parents believe that to be true, yet they feel very inequipped of how to do that. And so I think inside of the the chairs inside of our 
auditorium, they're going, what does that mean? How do I actually do that? Um, and so helping the church and parents speak the same language when it comes to discipleship at home allows us to partner really well. Yeah, I love that. I, I just literally, right before we jumped on, I was in a meeting with our children's director mm-hmm. and talking through from, from student department, kids department, what does it look like as we lean into parents this coming year, trying to map yeah. some of that out? So, well, cool. I, I, well, off of this episode, I'd love to hear what you guys are coming up with, what, what those conversations look like, because as we continue to, to, to actually kind of launch some new resources, we want to make sure that we are creating resources that don't just sound great in theory, but are actually working. Because I think that if we're going to be honest, and I think that's a good place to start from, Helping parents disciple at home is a long road ahead of us. I, I think I yeah. think that yeah. that is a a hard you know field to plow, and, and so I think we need to be honest about that, and also be people that are willing to lay the foundation to have that happen. Um, because I think if it's just a knee jerk reaction of well, we tried it for six months and it didn't work, I I, I don't know that something that monumental and that changing in the home is going to be something that's quick. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of, I mean, you asked before the show started, Jody, just kind of life and what feels like a new season of ministry. I think there's probably two or three things that we would point to specifically on our LifeWay students team uh, that are different in response to a post-pandemic or a post-2020, 2021 age. One of those most specifically is parent ministry as a dedicated place of both investment and conversation, like adding Chad, not just to the team, but like literally building the position around him to kind of go run, explore, develop, do, is a response to what we think are some of the changing trends or or focus of what student ministry, youth ministry should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for a long time, parent ministry was always a piece of the conversation of don't just communicate to the student, connect with the family as well. Uh, but I think there's even a real conversation of like flipping that and the ways in which maybe yeah. parents are connected to your student ministry before a student feels fully engaged or connected. I think sometimes 20 years ago, 15, maybe even 10 years ago, it was like, these kids are coming, where are their parents at? But now a lot of kids aren't showing up places that parents themselves don't feel safe. And so if right. you don't have a thoughtful orientation or like, pipeline of like, well, this is the ways in which I'm going to put myself or our team in front of mom and dad. Um, that's that's probably really significant beyond just we had this thing and the kids really wanted to come to it. And so yeah. uh, it's not that it yeah. wasn't there, but it was like a kind of a, a realigning of priorities or at least uh, connection points in student ministry that we're looking at. Do you feel like, and, that, and that's great. I mean, we that we were talking like, hey, let's talk about what kind of changes we're seeing. I think this, I think you're right. This is a massive one that we're seeing on a bigger scale. You guys have done this for a long time too. I mean, I remember early on, now granted, I was a youth pastor at 18. So I needed parents because I couldn't drive the rental car. Yeah, yeah. And, and right? <laughs> I like, couldn't sign the check for the renting of the bounce houses. That's right. That's right. Couldn't I sign checks. <laughs> like I needed parents because there were things that I wasn't old enough to do. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that was the extent of it. As I became a parent, I think that perspective for me shifted. And then mm-hmm. it became, how do I intentionally pull them in? So like part of me feels like personally, parents have been a, a pretty big priority for a while. 
But I do feel like that conversation across the board now has tipped. Mm. Well, I think it's because we had to find ways to connect with our students um, because one of the things that is notorious about students today is you either hear from them when they're excited or you don't hear from them. And I think that's a generational shift of, man, I sent stuff out. I posted, uh, I left a comment, I sent a message, and I just haven't heard from them. And I think there's some communication, generational connection things that at least if mom like missed a call, she might call you back. <laughs> right. Like you might actually right. hear from like, hey, like they left dad's phone number. I called his cell and he missed the call, but he actually returned the call. And so I think, again, some of those things, not just the safety concerns of having, you know, the waivers and the emergency contact, but it may be a place to build a relationship, especially for folks. And this is one of the things that we've noticed. Some of the folks that are now new in ministry are not young in ministry. So the 18-year-old yeah. the Jody who graduated high school and is now promoted from intern to associate minister is less and less the case. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of folks that are youthful or young in ministry are a part of larger programs, either as interns or in a structured residential kind of way. A lot of the folks that are new in ministry are a little bit older themselves. Uh, so I talk about the middle school minister at our church. Uh, he's only been in ministry per se for six to seven years, but he's in his late fifties because it's a second career thing for him. Um, yeah. So he just, na he has huge, like 27 year old energy, but he just naturally connects with parents easier because he's closer in parents age than he is with yeah. teenager age. And I think there's a little bit of that energy. And like, we always used to talk about youth ministry as being like cultural translation of yeah. like the 15 year olds talk like this, let's get a 27 year old in here that can like, you know, convert that up, but it may be the other way. And so I think there's some interesting, again, that mm. still is a middle person of relational yeah. authority and mentorship, but some of the flow chart may have changed. And so that is some of the things that we're looking at. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I've realized like the last couple of years, my favorite thing to do now, which I would have never believed that I would have said is a parent meeting. Yeah. Like I love them. Yeah. Like I just, my people. I just love, <laughs> that sounds so weird. Like even to say that out loud sounds weird, but I, I just love them. Uh, mm -hmm. We did one, you know, and look, we're in a larger context, multi-site deal now. Uh, and so like some of our parent meetings are everybody y'all come. Right. Mm -hmm. So we did one to kick off our small group year, man. And I've got, the room is packed. People are coming in and I'm, I'm excited that there's, I know we've got a lot of students on campus because I heard them, but I'm excited that I have a room full of parents uh, and, and being able to walk through that and with them and even some of the training things and things, communication that we're leaning into, man, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And part of that maybe is because like to your point earlier, we have parents who, and I don't, I don't mean this critically, they don't know how to parent biblically, right? And so you're, I'm kind of, you're kind of telling them, you're walking them through things and, and where I am in life right now, a, a parent of teens and beyond, I'm not just a youth guy anymore. Like I am, mm -hmm. I'm, we're in it. I'm, I'm one of you, like we're in it together. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's, I think that that's very true I, of, and not in a, a demeaning way, but I think it's I think it's important that we are mindful that when we ask somebody to do something very broad, if they've never seen it or been taught it, like we shouldn't have the expectation that it's intuitive. 
Um, yeah. You know, and when we say phrases to parents like, you know, you're to disciple your teenager, I, I think a lot of them are lost on that because it's never been modeled to them. It's never been shown to them. Um, and and for for the majority of them, they grew up in a time that you just got to church. And so that was the discipleship plan. A showing up to church was the discipleship plan. Well, and and I even think that the way that if we're not careful, some of the ways that we teach discipleship is solely that. Like you come to this class and you learn discipleship. And so for a mom and dad to replicate that, they've got to try to pull off a class inside of their their own home. And that yeah, 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 that that feels very um, unnatural to many of them. It, it does not feel like the relationship with their teenager that's already probably struggling to connect with. And so there's frustration on both ends. And I think for a lot of parents that maybe are willing to take the first step and try something, and then they get immediate p- pushback from their teenager, the feeling is very much, well, I can't do this. I'm not good at this. I'm just going to quit. And yeah, and I think if we're if we're not careful as youth ministers, even subconsciously, we're like we're communicating this, right? Like if if the only mm-hmm. form of communication that your parents ever hear from you is, you know, forms are due on August 26th, make sure your kids here at six o'clock. Don't for you know what I mean, don't forget this. Like we're communicating to them what it looks like to partner with the church. And their role in partnering with the church is simply just showing up and make sure that all the forms are there. And so like we're, we're subconsciously teaching them how to disciple or at least necessarily maybe not how to disciple, but how to partner with us. And I think you mentioned it when you were younger. And I think that that's very true. We can often look at partnership with the family in a very self-serving role of like, when we say partnership, it just means I'd love to have you as an extra volunteer leader and make sure that your kid picks this over baseball to boost my numbers. Yeah, come to our thing. That'd be like, please partner with us. Please patron our stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah, not very yeah. good partnership. I, you know, I. <laughs> it's not not real equal partnership. Right, right, right. Hey, hey, Molly. I noticed you haven't been to our stuff recently. Yeah, we've been really busy with. You know, we had family vacay and, you know, volleyball really picked up. And you're like, right. mm, well, I sure would love to see you more at our stuff. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like the same Meanwhile, way that like yeah. Amazon partners with my family. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> would you like to buy this? You're like, I guess yeah. I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give you money. We for would that love thing. to deliver the things you paid for. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. What about let's circle back. I love I, I totally love this. And I, and I agree. I think parent ministry has become more important than ever. I'm I'm so encouraged that it's talked about so much now too. I mean, I can remember back in the day it was Reggie Joyner, right? Just kind of probably early on championing that some, and it's grown, and which is like which is I think we're realizing we can't do this without them. the The model was broken. Um, you mentioned Zach, kind of um, youth pastors stepping in older. Yeah. Like, what are some of the reasons you guys think that's happening? And let me say this, is there still a place for the 23, 24, 22 year old? So to answer your second question first, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think the, the three ish things that have shifted 
uh, is there was a big class of 20 somethings at that kind of like the first edge, the end of the millennial thing, the first of the Gen Z thing, uh, kind of that generational boundary um, that in the 2016, 17, we're coming of age as ministers. And one of the things that we noticed during COVID is that a lot of them got moved into new roles. Uh, there was some new ground to take either in online or groups or discipleship, uh, whereas maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, a lot of those young ministry folks were moving into roles like church planters uh, or moving into roles like missions. What happened in between 2019 and 2022 is I think there was a lot of teams that kind of reshuffled the deck. And so maybe that youth minister became the next gen minister or the media minister or the online or the campus pastor. There's so many new kind of innovations and roles that they had to backfill that role. Well, the second thing that happened is that the budget got shifted as well. And so having a full-time youth minister wasn't as balancing of the budget as maybe they wanted. So they were looking for someone who was either part-time or a heavily invested volunteer and so if you're looking for who's part-time, heavily invested volunteer, you're probably not getting an early career person. You're probably getting someone who's bivocational, co-vocational, or some of the stories that we've heard, it's the mom who was the stay-at-home mom uh, with teenage kids that was already kind of helping out anyway. They moved her into a more prominent role or one of our members in Booster uh, is a returning missionary. Uh, she had served on the field for a few years and now she's back, wants to do ministry and do ministry at home, but she's, you know, 32, not 22. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, very theologically trained and very uh, missionally minded, but not out of Bible college. You know, she's coming for something else. And so uh, several young men that are, you know, insurance salesmen or they're firefighters that are, you know, like they, they have a, a, a gap in their schedule where they can uh, faithfully serve in kind of some like, like bursts or some certain patterns. And I think that's one of the things, because the third thing that I think is really shifted is that youth ministry, I hope, continues to see less emphasis on being dogmatically programmatic. I think one mm -hmm. of the things from 2010, 2009, like whenever the phones, when everybody got a cell phone, the initial gut response of youth ministry was like, okay, they're busy on their phones. The only thing that we can do is be busier than they are. And we'd mm -hmm. have three or four opportunities a week and we load them up with things to do, uh, times to gather and fun events and this event and that event. And then in 2020, we could have no events. And I think coming back, there's been a recalibration of, well, special events are going to happen on the midweek or the Sunday times we're already gathering. So instead of having like an off schedule, like Saturday night hangout or lock-in or hayride, that's just what we're going to do on the Wednesday or the Sunday. And so I think there's less frequency of stuff happening which allows folks to commit to the time that they have because in 2014, 2015, you had to be full-time to the ministry just to keep up with the schedule that you planned for yourself. And so yeah. I think there's a little more of an adjustment of, I, we don't have to meet in person every possible moment. I can communicate through the means that we have through text and group and post and video. And so it's not a lack of connection opportunity so that when we do gather, it can be engaging for the gathering that it is instead of just trying to gather everybody to see who's still around. I think that's, yeah. that's a big shift. So those kind of those three things uh, in a post-COVID world, I think are really shifting some of the staffing solutions, but also the habits of meeting and the ways in which we get connected. Would you, would you still say, I, I'm, I'm throwing a curveball in this conversation for a moment. Would, would you still say though, that like your midweek gathering is the like primary, like focus for most student ministries? What do you guys think? 
I mean, I I, so I, I, I mean, whether it's Wednesday or yeah, the, yeah. Like that large group, Friday, like Sunday, it would be the, yeah, we're gonna yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. do Sunday three songs, yeah, a talk, yeah. and a game, right? Like, is that is that yeah. still the primary focus for most student ministries? Not all, but like the majority. I I think I would say yes because I think that's largely the expectation of senior leadership in churches, right? So I think yes, I think there's a value to it, but I also think that there is this expectation that there will be that. For us, it's a little unique in the sense that what, what the one one of our campuses meets on a school site, right? It's okay. set up teardown, church in a box. So we split the programming there still. So we have a Sunday morning kind of large group time and then Wednesday small groups in homes. For our other campuses, everything for us happens on Wednesday. We offer okay. no programming on Sunday at all. Okay. And we're, we're pushing them to the service. Now, we're not a Sunday school model, right? Like some churches would be. Right. If we were, we'd have, we'd probably, we would offer something there, but we're just a, it's just the services that are happening. Small groups for us happens church-wide throughout the week. So we, we shifted on those other campuses to everything. So Wednesday night for us, then on those campuses is the large group teaching for junior high, the large group teaching for high school and small groups. Um, across the campus, and so we've that, put all that, our eggs in that basket. So that is the shift. I think that's probably the thing to note, Chad, is that there's not a split of, well, program happens on midweek, small groups happens on Sunday. Uh, I think for a lot of folks, I'd be curious to ask if anybody, uh, well, anybody that has, mm, there's probably still some that would do like a Sunday morning group or Sunday school model, um, but because so many folks have moved to like a weekend corporate worship like this is when like li- literally Sunday morning feels like like kids and everybody else. And then midweek feels like students and volunteers. And so because that's the case, there's been a little bit of like we're funneling all of it into it. Uh, but even for some like that large group teaching may be a, a monthly move. Like this is the introduction yeah. to the yeah. series that for the next two or three weeks is going to be group heavy or we may right. not, we may have a, a large group like activity, fun moment, game into like a short kind of introduction and then group time. Right. But again, they're kind of, there's a folding into like the thing that, that thing that happens, whatever's going to happen is all going to happen at this time weekly instead of groups on Sunday, large, large group teaching program on Wednesday and then like leadership on Sunday night, like yeah. for three a week. Well, and it, it, the reason I ask is I, I think that that was one of the things that COVID ta- should have taught us. We've probably already not all of us, but many of us have forgotten the lessons, the good lessons that can come out of something like that. And I think the thing that it revealed very quickly was without a gathering, we don't have much else. Like, just to be very frank and step on toes, it was like, if I can't get everybody in this room, I have no way to... Yeah, I I have no way to, like, carry out discipleship or continue to help people grow. Because we've we've kind of created this system where it is like you either show up or you don't. And I think that that's a little bit why there is like the the hair on our neck raises when the kids don't show up is because like, how else are that we supposed to thing. You, that was our thing, right? Like we've got you've got to be here for it to continue to happen. Um, and, and yes, that is a vital, vital part, I think, in all of our even relationship of community and the church and those kind of things. But I also think that there has to be some elements that, that students understand, like I'm also learning to read the word 
at home by myself. I am yeah. engaging in prayer at home and myself. As parents, they're equipped to carry conversation at home, to model these things at home that we're mindful of, you know, how do we, how do we actually help the kid reach a soccer team, right? Like that, yeah, that he feels yeah, equipped yeah. and empowered to do that, that it's not just come and gather. And I, I think, I think, if if we were observant enough, that is that is a lesson that that COVID taught us all. Because when everything shut down, and you look around and you're like, "Well, what are they doing with their time? And how do I engage with them?" And even the way that we tried to like carry on everything during COVID, it was just like we'll set up a camera and do the thing that we do to an empty room, so we'll you can it see it. Home. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Yeah, we we didn't even try to reinvent that or do it in a different way that was like thoughtful of okay, how does this come off to a family that's sitting on a couch watching this, maybe even huddled around an iPad? It was just like, no, we're just going to do the same thing that we always do and put a camera in the back of. Well, yeah. and I think that's so two of the things that I think are really important for youth ministry to analyze today. One youth ministry has always been the kind of the, the ground of innovation. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's youth ministry was born because it was like, there are passionate young people. And if we don't allow them the flexibility, fluidity to try some things different or respond differently, we're going to lose them. Yeah. And one of the things that concerns about the program the most is it feels more like we're copying Sunday than leading the charge yeah. for what Sunday could be. Like the coolest thing that's ever happened is that Sunday morning at almost every church in America has gotten rapidly more engaging and exciting. Like the songs are are are, are more singable. The, the messages feel more real. Like whatever that war was, it was won. And now youth ministry sometimes in some places feels like a juniorized version of Sunday instead of being an innovative edge. Because I think the second thing that youth ministry has to learn is that we aren't going to be innovative in the ways in which we do production. Like like. Like students' phones and apps and Xboxes and TikTok are far more entertaining and produced than you could ever be. Like with the exception of maybe four churches in America, like you will not out-entertain. But you might be able to out-relate. And that's one of the things. It's hard. It's messy. It's smaller and it's less measurable. But the ways in which a student cannot just be marketed at but known, like not just know about them in a algorithmic kind of way, but know about them in a sharing or a place sharing kind of way, a, a, a long suffering, to use a longer haul term, a long suffering, um, that's one of the things youth ministry might be able to be. And I mm -hmm. think that's, it's an important shift. I don't have like a ready-made solution because I don't think there is one. I think it's a contextual one, but that's the emphasis that I would want to put my ministry leadership investment in or push my chips across the table on because I don't think we're going to out-program because the, the, you're never going to, if the church has a full budget for worship ministry, you all know you're getting hand-me-down whatever. So it's going to be really yeah. hard to have a cooler yeah. show on midweek when they have all the lights. Now, I know for some folks, like we're utilizing the, the, the large group space on midweek that they have on Sunday. So we do have the same access. Super cool. But one of the ways in which I think we can lead the charge for the church, the big C church, is to reclaim some relational ground that maybe we had given up in the name of producing service or content or happening instead of relationship and gathering.
Well, and I, I think I think that those kind of things I, are very important now post COVID, but I think are going to become even more important. Even the fur so. the further we get into a world of AI and deep fake and all of those kind of things, because we're already seeing we're already seeing a society where trust of other individuals is very very low, mm-hmm. and we're constantly. <laughs> on social media, we're constantly looking for the fight. And I think creating an environment where relationship of being known and knowing someone is unbelievably important. Okay, tr- truth time. Two days ago, uh, I made the mistake, okay, I will own it 100%. The light turned green. I was turning left. I did not have a protected arrow. I was off into thought, and I went to turn and cut someone off. The How do you get? Yeah, I know. I'm a horrible person. Are you sure you're not a California driver? Yeah, right. No, I'm <laughs> the the cutest, like twenty year old, like you know, like like sorority looking girl is in her little Honda Civic. And just throws me the double middle fingers, okay? Like, hard. <laughs> You're number authority. one. Yeah, with a five three yeah. authority. <laughs> and and I, you know, I waved and did the whole like, you know, southern like <laughs> mouthed I'm sorry oh, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Bless your heart. Yeah. But yeah, but I was thinking about that. I mean, here here this young lady is protected by two glasses and a a distance apart is, I mean, willing to make this unbelievably offensive gesture, right? Of my mistake, I I get it, all those kind of things. But there is no doubt in my mind, if we're both out of our cars and I bump into her, right? That's not her reaction to me, right? Like, we're not standing there where we can vocalize, talk to each other, and she's throwing up double fingers. I think, yeah. I think what we've seen for years and years of road rage is exactly what social media has played out to be. When you have the inability behind to Behind the ha- safety of the glass. It's behind <laughs> the safety of the glass. It's the ability to be able to communicate to someone without them knowing you and feeling like there's not consequence. Because at the end of the day, I can just delete that post. I can just block that yeah. person so I can say whatever I want without an actual trust of relationship. And I think more and more we get down the road in this, the ability to communicate to mass without the, I don't even want to call it repercussions, but like without the ability to have community with the people you're talking to allows you to have this safety of the glass where you can do whatever you want, say whatever you want, horrible things. And and so I think creating place where there can be trust and unity built is going to be very, very important. And I think it could be very unique inside of the church that we could become a place where like great conversation can happen and being known and and understanding what it means to trust somebody again could hopefully in some ways heal our society 
Hmm. Yeah. I will say one thing too, I, I, and maybe this is, man, it's so hard for me to have a, a broader perspective. You guys would be able to speak to this much more. I think it feels like there's a greater sense of purpose in what we're doing than mm-hmm. before where yeah. maybe before we just did what we did because that's what you do, right? And so like even thinking through like our midweek program, how we're doing that and what we're doing there is purposely trying to prepare those students to leave that and be able to plug in and serve in the larger service. We're pushing our students out to serve more and more in the broader scope of our ministry. We're we're looking beyond. And that shift, again, back to even where we started, one of the reasons we moved off the weekend was so that our families would worship together. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality was when I mean, I would come in, I would go to the area where our students did our service. Students would, parents would come, they'd file off in different directions. Students would come to us. We do a full service for them. Parents were in the service. Service would end. They'd go home and I would never see or talk to a parent. Yeah. at all, unless they were mad. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think we've made some healthy shifts, but it, it just feels like there's more thought and purpose. Yeah. I don't know that there's much innovation, though. Like, I think we're still trying to copy what we see others do. Well, and I think some of that, again, we talked about pre-show. Uh, when you don't know what to do, you fall into the trap that Chad was sharing, which is not outrage or you're crowdsourcing your one-to-many frustration, but crowdsource my my many to one help or comparison. Like, I don't know what to do. What's everybody else doing? It's the Google mm-hmm. approach to solutions yeah. as opposed to the contextual approach. Cause again, it can be overwhelming. And so like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to mm-hmm. do. And I think some of the, 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 the cooling or the help that we can give is, man, you don't have to know all of it. And some of what mm-hmm. you may need to do in the future may be a little bit dug down, buried, rooted up in the past. I think that's one of the things yeah. that, the more and more we move quicker and quicker, I think we miss more and more of what maybe God was trying to teach, mm. show, do, form in the life of the early church. Uh, and so I think that like one of the best things, and Chad's heard me say this before, that like if everything in your student's life has gotten really fast and noisy, maybe the best thing that you could do is not to try to be louder or run quicker, but to speak softly and slower. I think there's yeah. the old line, like when everybody else yells, what do you do? Whisper. And I mm, think that's right. one of the things that like the permission to hear that, oh. like we can say that we've been doing it for 20 years. guys. I mean, this is the shift that right. we're making. But if you're two months in, you're like, oh, I got to establish my voice by yelling loud. Um, and I think, I think there's some things and some wisdom that for those that are listening that have been ministry for a while, this is the way that we can kind of fold that back on for those that are newer is that maybe the biggest thing that you can do, the longest play that you can make is not what you're doing right now or tonight for this midweek, but in the longer view, the bigger, broader approach. I think that's what you're sharing, Jody, about like the stakes are higher because I think we are able to see a little bit more of the curvature of like, like what we're doing is formational work. Like we're not just, it, it, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked for the life of the church for youth ministry no. to make better churchgoers. It ha- like like we are proof today that just because we were really good at getting the church doesn't mean that that is the thing that is the most substantial. So we have to double down on something else. And I think it has to be the ways in which they're being formed and their willingness to ask the big questions. Which again, Chavis Sharon, like everybody's temperature is up a little bit. Everybody is a little more frustrated or talking. Like this is not like. 
Can we talk about that? I don't know, brother, but they are. So whatever you want to do, do, because they <laughs> right. are talking about I remember back in the day, it was yeah. like, should we have like a sex and dating series? I don't know, man, yeah. but they're talking about it now. So it's whatever you think you yeah. and your team need to do, because if you don't, they're still going to do it. Right. Yeah. 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 I think I think an, a good evaluation tool is really looking at each of our ministries and, and simply asking, like, what what are ways that we're demonstrating, offering, and celebrating the fruits of the spirit on an ongoing basis like 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 is is there peace you know what i mean on wednesday night now i know like if you're hosting a middle school you know like uh you know service and you're asked the question is there peace like uh you may have to ask yeah. that question in different ways but i i think that <laughs> i think helping helping students in an anxious world understand where to run to for peace and what peace can actually feel like um yeah. is a very healthy and an important thing for and so and especially for families right like i mean we talk about the chaos of the student's world but so much of that gets absorbed into the family and mm -hmm. and so you talk to students and it's just like the family is is just loud. I mean, the noise of the busyness of family, the chaos that it just seems to ensue. And so yep. being able to lean in there. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, how about this? Before before we kind of wrap up here, is there, and I should have prepped you for this, but I didn't because, you know, I don't ever. We're here for um, throw us the curve. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, is there is there a resource that you would think of off the top of your head that would be kind of relevant and helpful for listeners that you throw out? Uh, well, Longer Hall uh, and Youth Ministry Podcast, <laughs> this episode, and I, I'm assuming all of the ones to follow. All the, other, yeah, all the yeah. ones to follow. Uh, no, I mean, it, it, I think the conversation stuff, I mean, Chad and I are trying to have some of these conversations over on the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast. Some books I was trying to think of inside of our booster network. We are reading Generations um, by Gene Twenge, which is really good. Um, and then The Relational Soul by Plass, um, I think are some books that are really helpful and thoughtful. Um, Jared, remind me of Jared's last name, Chad, uh, for the group's book that you guys did bucks together, his new group's book. Um, oh, from, yeah, Jared Musgrove's book. Jared Musgrove's new book about groups. I think it's called Groups. Yeah, I think it's Groups. It's the, the simple the sample copy I got was very good. I think for folks that are trying to imagine yep. what groups look like, that's often the the unit of measure in, in a post programmatic youth ministry. Groups becomes the new measuring stick. Yeah, and yeah. so I think having some real intentionality oh, yeah. behind how your groups are organizing and if they're succeeding on the metrics that you set, I think that's not to have another episode conversation, but like when you're going to have a group, the thing that often is the challenge of the group is like it isn't going well but you didn't set up what going well looks like. And so they just like, if the kids talked or didn't talk, um, sometimes the best small groups are pretty silent um, because the room is heavy and prayerful. And so I think uh, being able to equip leaders with language around like why this group gathers and what a good version of this group looks like is really significant. There's a, there, we, we talked a, quite a bit, I think around about, about this topic, but like disciple, discipleship at home for, for many students, it's, like how do I how do I even start specifically ones that are like new believers? Um, we have a we have a new guide in discipleship book called Follower by yeah. Kyle Wilkshire. Is it is he named as author on that? 
It's yeah, he is. Inside cover, but follower, Lifeway students, but Kyle Wilshire is the principal author. Yeah, it yeah. Was a little bit of a team effort, but he's the principal author. But that that's just a great guy that that you would give a student who's like brand new mm-hmm. to the faith, like that. That I think yeah. whether it's that resource by us or dude, anything that you can find, I think that's such an important thing to do with a new student who becomes a believer that we immediately start to help them find the tools of what it means to walk faithfully with God in, in, a, in a way that's not programmatic. And, and I think that whether it's that resource or whatever it is, I think help, helping students either have resources or have someone that will walk with them patiently is so, so important. Um, the first and then, year or two of that. If folks listening want to connect with you, find you, what's the best way for them to do that? outside of this episode uh, emails are good so first name dot last name at lifeway.com so zach dot working at lifeway.com or, yeah, or higgins at chad dot higgins okay um and then and you mentioned instagram, the podcast a D, uh, so youth ministry booster send us a dm on the instagram if you want to i'm happy to answer those, those we're DMs now on youtube we, we ventured into we the, YouTube the youtube space yeah, we're, yeah like, dude we're like these beauty faces more often than i'm yeah, like yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. six months away from just doing tiktok dances too so that's a scary thought thought. hashtag chad yeah yeah cool well guys (laughs) thanks again i know we're gonna be hanging out here in a few days so i'm excited to do that thanks for jumping on Uh, i know it was helpful a lot of stuff we could probably talk about this forever but again well you know if if we get an invite back sometime you know before eight years we maybe could in the next eight years yeah yeah i think i think we've set the precedent (laughs) i think we've set the precedent it's just an every eight year thing that's fine. That's, all. That's fine. That's fine. You know, it, it's like uh, it's like it's biblical, right? Like every seven years, yeah, this is our this is our jubilee. Yeah. So happy, well, happy jubilee. what we do is we'll just every four we'll rotate. You come on this, okay. and I'll come on yours. Then you, yep. in that That's way, good. it's That's it's good. still an eight year, but it's yep. not a doesn't feel as long. So yeah, it's good. Anyway, cool. We've well, got to start. Guys, we've got to start it. doing <laughs> guests again. We don't do guests anymore. Oh yeah. Maybe That's I'll get well, sick, and Zach will bring. Uh, Bring or on. we just fly Jody to Oklahoma to film in the garage. Oh, sorry, hey. studio, 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 studio. I'm it's, growing the beard out so I can on, fit man. in. Oh, you know? sub in, just a guest booster. I'll just pretend. Like hey, that. I'm yeah. not just saying this because we're on a podcast. If you ever were in Oklahoma, you would be one of the few dudes that we would say, "Dude, jump in this third chair and get in here with us." A hundred percent. hundred percent. I appreciate. It. We'll have to make it happen. I'll figure out how to get to Oklahoma. That'd be awesome. Come on. So. Anyway, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. uh, I'll see you in a few days, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Uh, Man, love those guys so much. Just so thankful for their friendship, their investment over the years in so many youth pastors. It does seem like just yesterday we were starting our podcast. It's hard to believe it's been as long as it has. But thankful for them. You know, they um, in so many ways embody the longer haul as they're still at this, not just working along youth pastors and youth leaders, but even even in the podcast. So anyway, grateful to have them on today. Thanks for joining us. As always, uh, make sure you head over to thelongerhall.com. Check out the show notes there. Make sure you subscribe and follow, and we'll see you in the next episode.